listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host and today we have Peter Watts joining us in the studio again. Welcome back Peter. Good to be here again Jason. Well, Peter, today I'm just letting our listeners know that this is actually a recording. We're not live today, but uh, we still want you to text in and and, uh, interact with us. We've still got all the free book offers and what have you, but you're actually going to be away at the time that this program goes to air. You'll be away in Port Stephens, New South Wales, running a program up there. So Yeah. And, of course, uh, if you've been listening to the previous episodes, you'll know more about that because we've been talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the Secrets in the Sand program where we basically look at uh, archaeology and what that can reveal to us about our future. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, today we are continuing and we're up to Chapter 8 of Daniel. And so um, just give us a a bit of a recap of Daniel 7, where we've come from. Sure. So um, we have been looking through the various chapters of the book of Daniel. We're now into the second section, if you like. There are two sections, historical and prophetic. We're now in the prophetic section. Daniel chapter 7 that we looked at in our previous episode, um, we were looking at the outline of that, and very briefly, it had four beasts, which represent four kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Then we looked at the division of those kingdoms. A little horn power arises Uh, We see that that power um, is uh, very effective over a very long period of time, over a thousand years. Um, And we also see then that there's a judgment scene in heaven where the Ancient of Days, which is God the Father, uh, takes his seat and the, the Son of Man, which is Jesus, is presented before him. And there's a judgment scene at the end of which the kingdom is given to the saints. And so um, it's one of my favorite verses in that chapter is uh, Daniel 7.22, where it says a judgment was made in favor of the saints. Mm. Um, and so um, that's sort of uh, the the major prophecy there in uh, Daniel 7. And today we're going to follow on from that and look at Daniel chapter 8. And um, one of the things I want to mention here is uh, what you have in the prophetic material of the book of Daniel is a repeat and an enlargement mm. of that material. Because this started back in chapter 2, really, Correct. didn't it? Correct. So with Dan- Daniel chapter 2, we had Nebuchadnezzar's dream, where we had that great image of gold, silver, bronze, iron, iron and clay, and, and then the stone comes and um, smashes it to pieces and becomes God's kingdom. Um, so that outline is the very basics, if you like. And from there, we have a repeat then in Daniel 7, which kind of um, you put that aside, you know, next to Daniel 2, you can see how that parallels it. Mm. But you have more details. So you have an enlargement of that prophecy. Mm. Here again in Daniel chapter 8 that we're going to look at today, we have a repeat of some of the same history, but we have an enlargement with a focus on a particular aspect. Mm. Now, we do have a a chart to give away. This is a document, an electronic document, that uh, if you text in the code DANIELPC, you can get a message back on your phone or device 
and uh, it will provide a link where you can actually download this document, uh, this prophecy chart of the book of Daniel. That may help you with some of the understanding. Yeah, I put together this very brief, um, very simple outline because I like to try and make things as simple as possible. Mm. But it does parallel then uh, the events you see in Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 11. Yeah, so do text in Daniel PC, one word, no spaces, Daniel PC, Text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and you'll receive a message back with a link that you can click on, and uh, then of course you can download this um, chart that Peter's put together for you. Mm-hmm. So we need to get into our program. It's a bit of a big chapter this week. It is. So let's start reading. We're going to read uh, the first four verses, uh, and then we'll unpack that a little bit. So I might get you to read that, Jason, if you will. Okay, and it's titled The Vision of a Ram and a Goat. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. So this is a second vision. Yes, so the first time was Daniel 7 of last uh, episode. I saw in the vision, and it is so happened while I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there standing beside the river was a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him. Nor was there any that could deliver from his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. All right. Thank you, Jason. So here we see Daniel has this vision. Uh, king Belshazzar is the king. He was the ki- the last king of Babylon, we noted in Daniel chapter 5. But this is the, the third year of his reign. And... Um, Daniel has this uh, vision. He's in. The, he's, he, Daniel is living in Babylon, but mm. he has a vision of being in Shushan or Susa. Uh, and I've been to Susa. It's in Iran, uh, and it's in the area, the land that would be known as the land of the Medes and the Persians at the mm-hmm. time of Daniel. And so, um, so he's that, having this Im- vision that, that refers to the second beast of Daniel seven. Is that right? It does. It yeah. does. However, what's interesting here? He sees this ram by the river in Susa. And if we were to drop down in the chapter, we would notice, I think it's verse 20 of Daniel 8, it tells us that this ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. Okay. So whilst in Daniel 7 last time around, we talked about these four beasts representing four kingdoms, here it positively identifies it. So mm. this, if, if you like, Daniel chapter 8 is an affirmation of our interpretation of those four beasts being four kingdoms. The Bible says it that they represent four mm. kingdoms, yeah. but we actually know the names of these kingdoms because the ram is uh, identified as Medo-Persia. It's noticeable, by the way, in that passage that we just read, it says it had two horns and one was higher than the other. Mm. Uh, and that is because the Medo-Persian kingdom was a coalition. Mm-hmm. And the Medes and the Persians, those represented those two horns. Mm. And, and the Persians came up stronger than the other. Persian came up last, mm-hmm. but it dominated the other. And that's what it says here. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now we're going to read. So the, there's a ram in Susa. And that makes sense because it represents the Medo-Persian Empire. And Susa was one of the capitals of the Medo-Persian Empire. So let's now read verses 8 through, Uh, sorry, 5 through through 8. 
and I was and as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore the male goat grew very great, but then he became strong. The large horn was broken, and in place of it four notable ones came up. Uh, toward the four winds of heaven. Now, this is ringing some bells to me. Yeah, okay. Mm. So here again, now we have a second animal, a goat. It's a male goat, and uh, it came from the west. So uh, the other animal was coming from the east uh, and moving north and south and and west. Uh, This one is um, coming from the west. Uh, It's a goat. It's got a prominent horn. That horn represents the first king, and uh, in fact, it represents Alexander the Great. The Grecian Empire, that's the third part of the original statue in Daniel 2. Correct, yeah. So this is following the same uh, pattern, if you like, from Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. Mm. We find uh, that we have these kingdoms of Medo-Persia and then Greece. Mm. And here, I want to notice one thing here. In verse 4, Four of Daniel chapter 8 it had said the ram grew great mm. and in verse where is it verse 8 it tells us that the goat grew very, very great, great yes indicating that the goat would be greater than the ram or Greece would be greater than Persia mm. and certainly we can see that in history it had a greater influence on the world mm. uh, in historical sense in verse 8 it says therefore the male goat grew very great but when he became strong the large horn was broken and in its place four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven the four winds of heaven simply represent the four points of the compass and that large horn it says when he became strong then it was broken off. And yeah. Alexander the Great, of course, died at the age of 32. Yeah, very young, but he, but he was... World famous. He was very uh, powerful, you know, with his armies and, con- Absolutely. and his conquests. World famous. Lots of people have heard of Alexander the Great. Mm. He only had that reign of 12 years. Mm. Um, and then it says four notable ones arose in its place. And that represents the four generals that um, ruled oh. the kingdom after Alexander, mm. namely being Cassander, Ptolemy, Seleucus, and... And Lysimachus. All right, so uh, now again in verse 21 of Daniel chapter 8, it names this uh, goat as the kingdom of Greece. Mm, that's in the interpretation of this. Yeah, yeah, in the interpretation of the deed. So mm. what I'm saying is we don't have to guess with mm. this one. Mm. So far we've got Persia and Greece represented by the ram and the goat. So far, so good. Uh, relatively simple. Now it's going to get into more detail. So we're going to... We're going to do that after the break. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to go to break. <laughs> I feel like I need a breath. Yes, let's do that. Um, have you ever waited a long time for something that was worth the wait? That's our question for you today. Have you ever waited a long time for something that was worth the wait? Text us in. Uh, even though this is a recorded program, I will be monitoring that and uh, I will respond to you in person. So text us in 0488880891. Right now, this is our first song, King of Kings, Caleb and Kelsey. In the darkness we were waiting without hope. Without light 
angels from heaven, you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with Peter Watts on the topic of Daniel chapter 8 today. It's a fascinating chapter and uh, before the break we did ask you a question. Have you ever waited a long time for something that was worth the wait? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488 880891 and uh, even though this is a recorded program we can't share that on air today but uh, I will be watching that and uh, We'll respond to you if you've got any questions or queries. Now, we got to uh, Daniel 8. I think we got to verse 
nine, Peter. We did, indeed. So, so far, so good. We've uh, seen Daniel's having a vision. He has a vision of a ram, which represents the kingdoms of Medo-Persia. And he has a vision of a goat that then defeats the ram, which represents the kingdom of Greece. And we're actually told that in the chapter itself. But we're going to move on now because there's another element here. And we're going to pick it up in verse 9. And verse 9 begins with the words, and out of one of them. So it's very important that we understand out of one of what. So it goes back to the previous verse. There was four um, four horns that came up on the goat. Correct. So four mm. horns that uh, come out of, of the, the goat in place of the great horn. But it says four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. That's north, south, east, and west. Mm-hmm. And it's out of one of them, namely okay. the west, right. that this little horn comes up. So let's read verse 9. When it says out of one of them, it's com- coming out of one of the directions mm-hmm. of the four winds, which would be, in this case, the west. Mm-hmm. But um, let's read so, from verse 9 to 12. And out of one of them came up a little horn, which grew exceedingly great. So that's we had we had great, yeah. very great, and now exceedingly great toward mm-hmm. the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifice, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. All right. So this uh, this passage from nine through twelve describes the activity of a a, a little a power called the little horn power. Mm. Now this, of course, should trigger a few memories from last episode where we looked at Daniel chapter seven, where we identified that little horn power, and there were ten identifying characteristics of that power that was also referred to as the Antichrist power by. Um, many Christian scholars in in medieval times um, and in Reformation times. And so uh, we have this same symbol, the little horn, being referred to here. But what I'm going to say here is that in this passage, we notice verse 9, out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great. Mm. So we've noticed that the ram was great, the goat very great, and this little horn exceedingly great. In other words, it has to be greater than the Persian kingdom Mm. has to be greater than the Greek kingdom. Mm. And this, of course, represents the Roman power. However, this little horn represents the Roman power in both its phases. Mm. So it represents the Roman power in its pagan phase, but it represents the Roman power in its papal phase. Mm. And in verse 9, yes, in verse 9, you see it moving terrestrially across the ground. So it's geographical. So out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. That would be reference to the Holy Land. Mm. But when you get to verse 10, it talks about the rapid growth of this power challenging heaven itself. Mm. So in other words, it becomes spiritual. And often uh, times we find in um, the prophecies of Daniel uh, that you have... Um, geographic, literal representation up until the point of the cross, and then you have spiritual um, representation. And so here in Daniel chapter 10, sorry, Daniel chapter 8, verse 10, it says it grew up to the host of heaven. So this is now challenging heaven itself. Challenging God. So the host yeah. of heaven being God. Correct. Yeah. So uh, it's... It, it, I'm really ahead. interested about this, um, mm. some of the host, it, it says it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground. That, mm. 
There's a verse in Revelation that talks about stars being cast out. Okay, so this indicate that's a good point because that indicates that the same power that was behind the, 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 the drawing a third of the stars and, and taking them out of heaven, which was the devil himself, mm. the same power is behind this little horn power. And um, we, we, we can see that. We'll see it further in uh, the book of Revelation ultimately, but um, we, we see it here. It says, He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. Now that mm. will be a reference to the Messiah or Jesus. Um, and by him... It says the daily were taken away. Now, it talks about the daily sacrifices, and the word sacrifices there has been added into the text to make more sense of the text. Mm. Um, the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. So what that, we did, that his sanctuary is, is God's, sanctuary. God's sanctuary. It's a capital H. Yes. Yeah. Now, we've already mentioned the host of heaven, so this is talking about a sanctuary in heaven. So in the Bible, we're given a picture uh, of God asking his people to create a sanctuary here on earth. In fact, if you can read Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8 and 9, God instructs Moses, and um, this is what he says in Exodus 25, 8 and 9. It says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just as you shall make it. All right. So here we, it talks about uh, the fact that God asked them to make a sanctuary, but according to a pattern. Mm. And that is because there is a sanctuary in heaven. Yeah. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says, then I saw the temple of God in heaven opened. Mm. And so there is a temple, there is a sanctuary in heaven. And here it's talking about this little horn power would not only um, move terrestrially across the ground, but it would also challenge heaven itself. And this is what we find in the pagan Roman Empire that transitions into the papal Roman Empire, um, where, in fact, the papal power was uh, taking the place of Christ in many ways. We, we talked about last week in Daniel 7 about the word uh, antichrist meaning um, not only against Christ, but in the place of Christ. Mm. And uh, the church in the, in the medieval world, the church had inserted itself between the people and God. In other words, people would go to the church for salvation as opposed to going to Christ himself. And that's the sense that um, it is taking away that daily sacrifice. Yeah, that's what I was, that, that word taking away by him being not, not, uh, not God, him, but sure. the... Uh, the little horn. This little horn. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that for mm. a moment. Um, the earthly sanctuary that God told Moses to make uh, basically had a courtyard mm. in which was an altar of sacrifice and a laver. Then there was a tabernacle or a big tent which had two rooms, a holy place and a most holy place mm. in which were certain furniture. Um, that had symbolic meaning and all of it was representing the ministry of Jesus for us mm. and so what a priest would do is they would take a sacrifice a, a lamb for instance that sacrificial lamb would be sacrificed its blood would be taken by the priest into the holy place um, and that blood would be taken in and and the merits of that blood the merits of that sacrifice were ministered in the sanctuary every day mm. And that's the daily sacrifice, if you like. There was a daily sacrifice of a lamb every day uh, at the at the sanctuary, and that lamb pointed to Jesus. Um, all the furniture in the, the sanctuary points to Jesus. The ministry of the priest represents Jesus. The whole sanctuary was really trying to outline to us 
the ministry of Jesus on our behalf to save us from sin. And and that ministry involves the forgiveness of our sin, being saved from sin, and only Jesus. We we know that in the New Testament, you know, where where Jesus would say that someone's sin was forgiven, that people were challenging him for for blasphemy. Yeah, how can you say that? Yeah, because only God can forgive sins. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is part of uh, this, um, I guess, the process that taking away the daily sacrifice, redirecting from Christ to a, a man who can yeah. forgive sins. It's, it's as if I were to say, look, if you want your sins forgiven, rather than going to Jesus, come to me. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Jesus has given me the authority. Mm. You, you come mm. to me. And I, and I think that, that that was a mistake of the church. And they inserted themselves in the place where only Jesus really should be, which is the the interceder between God and man. Yeah. Um, and so that's the way in which the daily sacrifices were taken away. And so, um, yeah, we see the activity of the, the, the little horn. Then you've got an interesting passage in 13 and 14. This is back in Daniel chapter 8. Let's read 13 and 14. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. All right. So here we have a question being asked. We've got the vision of the ram, the goat and the little horn. And then it says, then I heard a holy one speaking and another one. So it's as if there's two angels speaking to one another. Mm. And the question is asked, how long will the vision be? And they give some details of the contents. But how long will the vision be? And so far we know that the vision began with the ram. And the ram represents the kingdoms of the Medes and the Persians. We're going to read about that in the interpretation. So all we know is this period of time, this, this vision starts with the Persian period and it's going to go for 2,300, what does it say, days. Days, Then yes. the sanctuary shall be cleansed mm. in Daniel 8.14. Mm. Are they really 2,300 days or are we here to apply the day for a year principle? Mm. And I'm going to suggest that if we don't apply the day year principle here, the vision doesn't make any sense. Mm. Because we're talking about the Persian kingdom, the Greek kingdom, then this little horn, whoever that is, and we believe it to be Rome, both pagan and papal. 2,300 literal days is going to cover a period of about seven years. That's not going to cover even the Persian period, much less the Greek period, much mm. less the whatever comes next. It doesn't line up. doesn't make sense. So it, it must represent the 2,300 days represent the day-year principle that we've talked about in Daniel mm. 7 and we see applied here. So this is actually a very long vision mm. of 2,300 years. And that's a long time to wait. It and is a uh, long time to wait. So maybe you put the listener the question, question again. Have you ever waited a long time for something that was worth the wait? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488 880891. Our free book offer today is actually a study guide, and uh, it's a really good one. It's called Focus on Prophecy. There's 21 study guides, so we'll tell you a bit more about that after the break. This is I Want to See Jesus Too by Josh Cunningham and Jacqueline Jewell. He was mourning for his people, slaves in exile for all their sin. Then the dawning down by the river Struck down and silent when he saw him Clothed in white, faint 
vision bright Then you're trembling Mercy and love In those eyes of light I want to see Jesus too Daniel fainted, angel touched him, raised him up, said you are loved. Fear not, for God has heard you, that's the reason I Tazzy Encounters. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. And today we're speaking with Peter Watts on the series God, uh, Daniel and the God of Wisdom. And uh, we've been studying Daniel chapter 8. And uh, we're about to get to the point of interpreting the vision, but uh, we did um, mention that we do have a book giveaway a bit later in the program, Focus on Prophecy. So do hang in for that. We'll be uh, yeah, well, well worth, worth getting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we're going to cover this chapter um you know, in this episode, but we, I would recommend getting the study guides because you'll get more out of the chapter by doing that. So we need to read the interpretation from verse 15. All right. So, uh, yes, we got up to the question, how long will the vision be? And the answer was given to two, uh, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. What does that mean? We're going to unpack that in a minute, but we, let's have a look at Gabriel's interpretation of the vision from 15 through 27. Maybe we'll take some of this in pieces. Uh, yeah. You do to 17 and I'll do uh, 18 to 22. It says, Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came... Uh, yeah. So he came near where I stood, and when I came, I was afraid, and I fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now let's pause right there. 
Uh, that phrase there, the vision refers to the time of the end. And that tells you in itself that this is not something that's just local to Babylon, it's Persia, or Greece. It's not going to happen in the next seven years. Exactly yeah. right. Mm. Exactly right. So that there's an element of the vision that mm. tells you this must be a long period of time because mm. it refers to the time of the end. All right. I'm going to pick it up from verse 18 to 22. It says, Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. And he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. Here's another reference to the latter time, the end, and mm. so forth. Verse 20. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. Couldn't be any plainer. Very specific. Okay. Verse 21. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. Mm. Once again, very plain. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. That would represent Alexander the Great, the the, the first uh, king of the Greek Empire. Mm. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. Now we we come to uh, the next passage, which is from 23 through 27. Um, And this is the, the description of what happens with the little horn. Uh, and maybe maybe, um, maybe, just do 23 to 25, Jason. Okay. It says, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have, transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully, and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty, and also the holy people." Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. All right. So here we have the description of the activity of the little horn power. Mm. Uh, We recognize it says he shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. So here clearly this power is not with God. This power is against God. Um, and it says he even rises against the prince of princes, which would be a, a reference to Jesus. And then it says, uh, but at the end of verse 25, it says, but he shall be broken without human means. In other words, it's God who's going to ultimately bring an end mm. to his kingdom. And then it says in verse 26, and the visions of the, even, the vision of the evening and mornings, which was told is true. Now, I want to pause there. The vision of the evening is morning. That's a reference to Daniel 8.14 and to 2,300 days the sanctuary reclaims because the actual actual interpretation there is unto 2,300 evenings and mornings. Mm. And the reason for that is that there is lots in this chapter. There is lots of sanctuary language. And in the daily services of the sanctuary, there would be an evening and a morning sacrifice. Uh, a lamb would be offered every morning and every evening, the evening and the morning sacrifice. And so it's actually giving reference to that where it says the evening and the uh, the vision of the evenings and mornings, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision for it refers to many days in the future. Once again, here's another reference telling us that this is a long vision mm. in terms of the time period. Mm. Interestingly enough, verse 27, uh, it says, and I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Mm. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Here's an interesting point, because when he says, 
I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Did he understand who the ram was? Well, well yeah, he's told says, plainly. Yeah, yeah. Did he understand who the goat was? Mm-hmm. He's told plainly. There's many details regarding the little horn. But Daniel, I think, is struggling with the idea that it's going to be 2,300 something until, until the sanctuary, the sanctuary is cleansed. cleansed yeah. Yeah. So in other words, this tramp- the sanctuary, if you like, is going to be trampled underfoot by this power until the end of that 2,300-day period, which represents 2,300 literal years. We've spoken about the day-year principle uh, before that we apply in um, terms of Bible prophecy. It's a a symbolic um, representation there. So each literal, sorry, each prophetic day represents one literal year. So this is a prophecy that is 2,300 years in the making. And it begins, we know, in the period of the Persians, the Medes of Persians, because it says... How long will the vision be? Well, the vision began with the ram. So it's this vision, we don't know its starting point yet. We're going to find that out in our next episode when we look at Daniel 9. Mm. But we do know it begins in the Persian period. And we do know that it can't be 2,300 literal days mm. because that would not cover the period of time. Yeah. So therefore, this represents 2,300 l- literal years. And uh, Daniel was, uh, you know, I think Daniel was sick for days because he recognized that this power whoever it was was going to be defeating god's people Hmm. um and that that concerned him let's talk a little bit about uh the sanctuary some more because this language uh this this chapter is saturated with sanctuary languages you've got the the mentioning of the sanctuary you've got the mentioning of the sacrifices you also have the ram and the goat now these two animals were part of the offerings on a particular day in the Jewish the, calendar. The Day of Atonement. In the, in the calendar of the Israelites, and that was the Day of Atonement. Mm. And uh, there were seven feasts that the Jews were given by um, God through Moses to um, remember through the year. And they all represented something of the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus is coming to fulfill. And one of them was called the Day of Atonement. And uh, we can read something about it here in Leviticus 16. In fact, it'd be worth people reading the whole of Leviticus 16, uh, which talks about the Day of Atonement. But let's read verse 33. It says, Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. All right. So making atonement, what's that really all about? The word atonement in English is made up of three English words, at, one, meant. And the whole purpose of atonement is to bring two parties that were separated, antagonistic, bring them together, at Mm. one meant. So the whole purpose of the sanctuary, the whole purpose of the plan of salvation, the whole purpose of Jesus and his ministry is to bring together two parties that were estranged, Mm. and that is us and God. Mm. And so... Um, the Bible says sin separates, Jesus reconciles. Okay, and that's that's exactly why Jesus came into the world, to reconcile us to God, to hold out a hand to us and say, would you like to be reconciled to God again? Mm. Um, and so through the sanctuary service, what we, what we see is the ministry of Jesus. In the sanctuary service, it had a courtyard. There was only one door. Jesus says, I am the door. Yeah. There was a sacrificial lamb. And he Jesus is, the, is lamb. the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? Mm. Um, the fire that was the burnt offering, the fire represents the judgment of God against sin. Mm-hmm. Jesus accepted the judgment of God against sin 
for us. Mm. He didn't commit any sins, but he took upon us himself our sins. Mm. And he took the judgment of God against sin upon himself, the laver of water was there for cleansing. It's mm. Jesus who cleanses us from our sins. Mm. Um, and maybe before we dive into the furniture in the inner part of the sanctuary, we'll take a break, but we're going to look at what's um, the other furniture and see how that applies to Jesus too. Mm. Awesome. Um, it, it's so special to have a bit of an understanding of the sanctuary, um, to me, gives such a, a greater Understanding of the ministry of Jesus. Absolutely. Because yeah, it's all about that. So our book offer today, Focus on Prophecy. Uh, we've got three of these to give away. Uh, Daniel and Revelation, it's it's uh, covering both of these uh, books of the Bible, 21 Lessons. And uh, you'll find that the Bible prophecy comes to life as you study these. They're beautifully illustrated. You can unlock the mysteries about God and his plan for you and our world. Know God better through his messages in the books of Daniel and Revelation. So we'll give you the code straight after the break for this particular offer. This is Shine On Us by Craig and Dean Phillips.
song by Craig and Dean Phillips, Shine On Us. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're finishing up our program today with Peter Watts on the topic of Daniel chapter 8. And there's still a bit we've got to dig into here, but before the break, I did promise the code for our, our giveaway today. It's a series of studies on prophecy. Uh, called Focus on Prophecy, and there's 21 study guides. Three copies to give away. Text Daniel 8, no spaces, just Daniel and the number 8 to 0488-880-891. The first three in will receive a copy of these study guides. So we've read all of Daniel 8, but we're mm. still trying to understand this connection between the sanctuary and the atonement. And, yeah. And... Uh, well, we mentioned before that Daniel chapter 8 has got lots of sanctuary language in it to mm. the point that uh, if, if Daniel um, is seeing this vision and he's writing it down, he's going to make that connection mm. because he's a Jew. Mm. Uh, he's come from Jerusalem. He understands the sanctuary um, and he's familiar with it. And he will see that in the language of this vision. Mm. Um, but uh, what you have is... People will notice last week we talked about Daniel chapter 7 and Babylon, Persia, Greece and Rome were represented by those four creatures, four beasts, right? Again, you have beasts representing the kingdoms, but this time two different ones, a ram and a goat, right? Also, where's Babylon in this vision? It's not there. It starts after Babylon. Yeah, Daniel's still living in Babylon. There's still the king of Babylon on the throne. Hmm. Why is Babylon missing? And quite simply, it is because the 2,300 uh, day vision begins that, in the Medo-Persia era. Yeah. It doesn't be- begin in the Babylonian era. Mm. And therefore, and that's the focal point, by the way, mm. of this vision is what God is doing to atone for our sins. It's not so much what the powers that be are doing, but rather what God is doing uh, to save us from our sins. And incidentally, it's interesting to note that in Daniel 7, you have unclean beasts Hmm. The Bible designates some beasts as clean and some as unclean. In Daniel 7, the nations are represented as unclean beasts. In Daniel 8, they're represented as clean beasts. Hmm. Furthermore, they're represented as sanctuary animals. Hmm. And even more than that, they're represented as day of atonement animals. Hmm. On the day of atonement, there was the sacrifice of a ram. There was the sacrifice of a goat. So there's definitely this uh, allusion to the sanctuary. Yeah, and Mm. particularly to the Day of Atonement. Mm. Um, Those animals absolutely cry out uh, about the Day of Atonement. Mm. And it's interesting as well in the language of the little horn where it says he takes away the daily. Mm. He takes away the daily because he is um, placing himself in the place of intercessor. But what he couldn't take away was the yearly. Mm. And the yearly was... At the end of uh, the Jewish year, uh, there would be one day in the year where the high priest, only one person, only once a year, could go into the most holy place. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, And that was the Day of Atonement. So you have one person, only one person allowed on one day of the year, and that is the high priest. Now, of course, that high priest represents Jesus once again. And so um, he is doing a work of atonement on the day of atonement uh, at the end of time, uh, That is what this represents. We mentioned before some of the other furniture, and maybe we should do that now. We talked about in the courtyard, you have one door, you have the uh, altar of uh, offering, and you have the laver, all representing the ministry of Jesus. Mm. You go into the the holy place, which the, represents uh, heaven, by the way. 
that holy or the whole tabernacle represents what's in heaven the yes. heavenly sanctuary yeah, it says in hebrews that it's a it's a copy of what's in heaven correct yeah. and we might read that out actually let's read that now this is hebrews 8 1 and 2 yeah, it says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in he- in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. All right. So mm. this is very plain that Paul is saying that there is a sanctuary in heaven that God made mm. and not the one that Moses made. Yeah. The mo- one Moses made was simply a pattern, mm. uh, you know, a model. Mm. And so Jesus um, is represented in the holy place uh, by the the table of showbread. He is the bread of life, the lampstand, which was the light of the world, Mm -hmm. and also the altar of incense where incense would be burned, which we're told in the book of Revelation represents the prayers of the saints. Mm. So when you and I sin, we pray to Jesus and uh, those sins are passed, if you like, from us to him. Okay, in the heavenly sanctuary. And they accumulate there through many days, through many centuries. People have been praying and and those sins have been collected. Now, this is symbolic, of course. Sins aren't a physical thing. It's not Mm. like I say a bag of sin and I Mm. send it on up to heaven. But Jesus receives those sins. And God doesn't just make sins disappear. No, there's a price to be paid for those sins. And that's what the the cross was. Jesus paid the price of the cross. And the blood of that animal in the earthly sanctuary service, that blood would be taken into the sanctuary Hmm. as evidence that a sacrifice had been made. So our priest, Jesus, goes into heaven and he is offering his blood as a sacrifice that had been made. At the end of time, the high priest goes into the most holy place. Hmm. Now, this is the day of atonement. This is the day of atonement. And I want you to think of it a little bit like this. Let's suppose your sins represent rubbish. So you want to get rid of that rubbish. So you take the rubbish away from you and you put it in the bin, Hmm. right? But once a week, the bin truck comes along and empties your bin and takes that garbage to the wilderness, right? Hmm. Effectively. At the day of atonement... The high priest would go into the most holy place for the purpose of cleansing the sanctuary. A, a goat would be represent uh, a goat would be um, sacrificed that would represent the Lord's goat. You can read about it in Leviticus sixteen. And then there was a scapegoat. There was a scapegoat as well, but that was not sacrificed. No. The Lord's goat was sacrificed. No sins were sa- were confessed on that goat. No. So this is pure blood. Hmm. He takes that pure blood into the the holy place and the most holy place, and he actually, if you like. On a daily basis, sins were going in through the blood to the sanctuary. But now he's got pure blood and he's collecting those sins with that pure blood and bringing it out of the sanctuary. They get confessed on the scapegoat who is then led into the wilderness. And that represents the devil being in uh, the the wilderness on, on the earth for a thousand years, which we talk about in Revelation chapter 20. In other words, what what Jesus is doing right now is he's completing the process of the plan of salvation that is laid out in the sanctuary service all of it points to jesus the high priest is jesus the sacrifice is jesus the atonement is all about what jesus has done for us and we see some of that prefigured in this passage in daniel chapter 8 it's a fascinating chapter Mm. and it's drenched in sanctuary language Well, we, we've got about a minute left. Did you want to read this other um, passage from Hebrews that we've got here? I really do. So this is Hebrews 9.23. So like I said, God gave them an earthly sanctuary hmm. 
that was supposed to tell us something about the heavenly sanctuary. Notice uh, this in Hebrews 9.23. It says, Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. All right. So it's saying that the articles of the earthly sanctuary were purified, needed to be cleansed, Mm. purified um, with the blood of the sacrifice, hmm. but it's saying the heavenly things need a better sacrifice than the animals, which was Jesus, which was himself. Jesus himself. Yeah, amazing how this all fits together, and it, uh, it it indicates how important it is to actually have a bit of an understanding of the whole sanctuary. Yeah, and this when, is why, in order to understand uh, prophecy. Yeah, and yeah. not only prophecy. I mean, this is you've got the plan of salvation, you've got prophecy, and Jesus all wrapped up together in this chapter, hmm. and that's why I think the. Um, off the free offers that we're giving will give a better understanding of that and help mm. people to understand the sanctuary a little mm. more. Mm. Well, that's a fascinating study, and uh, we've got more to come in Daniel 9. There's still some interesting stuff happening in uh, Daniel 9, which will be next week. So do join us next week on the same program, Daniel and the God of Wisdom with Peter uh, for next week. But tomorrow we've got Facets of Faith with Daniel Mateo. And uh, the title of his story or his uh, topic tomorrow is called The Healed. And we're talking about the nature of man. So we do hope that you can join us uh, for that program tomorrow as well. Remember today's code word. If uh, we've still got some copies left, text in Daniel 8 to 0488880891 to claim your free copy of this study guide, Focus on Prophecy. Well, that's it for today. We do hope you can join us next week. Uh, But wherever you are today, we do have a great day. And uh, this last song as we go out is um, Ellie Holcomb with Don't Forget His Love. I think I've just got ahead of myself here. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you have a good week, Peter. You too, Jason. And we'll see you again uh, next week. I look forward to it. Okay, this is uh, Ellie Holcomb with Don't Forget His Love. Praise the Lord, O my soul, O and all my inmost being. Praise the Lord, O my soul, don't forget His love, who forgives all. Like a flight on eagle's wings
Praise Thou.